0: Reaper Cheap, aside from being my favorite character in all of Narnia, I think probably for most honest people as well. Most uh, honest
1: people, I like that.
0: <laughs> well, some people try and mix it up a little bit, but no, come on, we all love Reaper Cheap. Welcome to Talking Beasts
1: from NarniaWeb.com,
0: where we explore the world of C.S. Lewis and keep a watchful eye.
1: On the latest Narnia movie news,
0: this is Talking Beasts.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Beasts. I'm your host, Rillian, and today we have a very special guest. We have David once again from Pints with Jack. David, welcome back to Talking Beasts.
0: It's wonderful to
1: be back again. This is your second time on, correct?
0: It is. Last time I spoke to Glum Puddle, so it's great to finally meet the other half. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i wish i could say the better half
0: (laughs) i chose my words carefully
1: yeah yeah thanks well done well done um so some of you if you're not familiar pints with jack is another narnia podcast or actually i should not i should probably say a c.s lewis podcast that's right uh for a lot of us here at narnia web uh, a lot of us would describe ourselves as narnia fans but i would really more describe you as a c.s lewis fan uh i i really appreciate your perspective because you're much more familiar. I quickly realized looking through uh, the podcast episodes for Pints with Jack that you are much more familiar with other works of Lewis uh, than I am. And so I welcome your uh, scholarship, for lack of a better word, Uh, your familiarity. I think it's going to be good to have going forward. And I think a lot of our fans will appreciate that as well.
0: Well, Lewis has written an awful lot of stuff. And that's even before you've got to Lewis's literary criticism stuff like English literature in the 16th century, excluding drama. And you find themes that Lewis addressed in his uh, more overtly Christian writings, and his more overtly philosophical writings, you find them present in Narnia, uh, if, if at the very least in seed form. And, and that, just, that just validates something that one of the other inklings, a guy called Owen Barfield, he said about Lewis that what he thought about everything was secretly present in what he said about anything. So as soon as you start diving into the world of Narnia, you will be encountering themes that if you go outside of the Narnia and look at his other writings, you will find those themes appearing in different forms.
1: And it, his staying power has been incredible. My nephew's in, uh, in American public school, and they're going through, I think, all seven chronicles in his class. And a lot of people know Lewis for that. But if you could pick three themes that you, like, a Narnia reader would be familiar with, that are prevalent through Lewis's other works? Maybe not all, but like, hey, these are some big themes that you will see other places. What themes would those be? Where could we find them?
0: I think the first theme I see now everywhere in Lewis's work is what I call heavenly and hellish creatures. Lewis talks about this explicitly in Mere Christianity. And he's basically presenting us with an idea of how humans develop and change. Because Lewis says that there are no real big, there are no small decisions. Everything is a big decision insofar as it is steering you in one of two directions, to become more of a heavenly creature or more of a hellish creature. And that's in all of the choices that we make. And he just sees our life here is just playing out all of those decisions and forming our character in that way. And people that are familiar with Narnia see this play out. You see this play out with Eustace in particular. You see how his choices change him. What happens? He he goes to sleep on a dragon's hoard with dragonish thoughts in his heart. And what happens? It begins to manifest. He becomes a dragon himself. You also see it in terms of Edmund and his choices, he didn't start out with a plan to betray his family. It just started out with wanting some Turkish delight. But you see how his choices snowball and compound, and they take him to places that he wouldn't have ever thought he could have gone to otherwise. And so that happens both for good and for ill, both in those characters in their descent, but then also in their ascent and redemption. So you, you, you see that idea of heavenly and hellish creatures play out in Narnia. You see it play out in The Screwtape Writers, which was a satirical book that mm-hmm. Lewis wrote where, where we're reading the mail of a little demon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Uncle Screwtape is writing to his nephew about how to tempt the human that has been assigned to him. And you see again and again, all he wants is a foothold. All he wants is a small change that will slowly form itself into a bad habit. And then he says we can basically let time take it from there. So you see that idea in Lewis's fiction, his nonfiction, in his apologetics, this idea that the small changes that we make send us in one or, one or two directions. And it sort of culminates in what is probably Lewis's most famous sermon. It's called The Weight of Glory. It's absolutely magnificent. But he, he describes us as living in a world of possible gods and goddesses. The idea that every human is an eternal creature. They will live forever. And so he says, just one way or the other, we're helping them either towards becoming the heavenly creature or that hellish creature. He says, you know, there are no ordinary people. So I'd say that's probably one idea you find littered throughout Lewis's work.
1: Even as you say that, I'm thinking about having read the Ransom Trilogy. Absolutely. uh, Even just on a physical level, uh, what happens to the characters when they land on on and such, the the way that they start to transform. You see that same thing, hellish creatures and heavenly creatures.
0: And related to that, probably my second thing would be about the nature of evil. C.S. Lewis read a lot of St. Augustine, and one of Augustine's ideas that he articulates very clearly is the idea of what something evil actually is. Because Augustine's idea was that evil isn't a thing itself, doesn't have an essence in itself. Something that is evil is something that was good, but it's become twisted. It's become perverted. It's pursuing good things, but in the wrong way, at the wrong time, to the wrong degree. That, that's what evil is. And this is another idea that you find littered throughout the Chronicles of Narnia. You see people pursuing good things, but the wrong way. For example, Edmund. Edmund wants to be king. Well, if he follows Aslan, he will be king. But he's trying to pursue it in a different way and on his own terms. In the Screwtape Letters, Screwtape laments that god is a great hedonist he's he's made this world full of pleasures and he can't stand it and he explicitly says nothing is useful to us until we've twisted it it's only once we've twisted it that we can make some kind of use some kind of use of it so that was probably another thing that i would say you see everywhere in lewis's work this idea that evil isn't so much a thing more of a twisting of something that's good
1: I think that's something as a culture we don't uh, intuitively get. Well, let me rephrase that. I think we do understand it on a slightly intuitive level. That's why Darth Vader is such a compelling villain. (laughs) I mean, think about it. I mean, Darth Vader is one of the greatest villains of all time. And as I think back to modern um, stories and stuff that we tell in pop culture and stuff, a lot of times villains are really boring. They're just like, they're this uh, evil essence of evil itself. They're this kind of truly boring villain. I think because as a society, sometimes we don't really understand that, that it is a, a twisting of something, um, that was good, but sometimes someone will hit on it, you know, like George Lucas did with Darth Vader. And then it resonates, you know, because it's so much more interesting and compelling. And I, I think, um, it moves you more because you think to yourself you can try to find yourself and a potential path for evil in yourself in another character. That, that on his face is very, very different from you, but it also has more of a lesson quality in how it applies to your life as well.
0: And I'll pick a slightly newer villain, at least in terms of cinema, Thanos. The Marvel Cinematic Universe generally has really boring villains consistently. Thanos was interesting. Why was he interesting? It was because you were invited into his worldview. Because Thanos wants good things. He doesn't want people to starve and suffer. The thing is, he takes that and twists it and, coming up, and comes up with this very hellish solution that he's going to wipe out mm-hmm. half the life in the universe. He gets his math wrong and doesn't understand how populations grow. But aside from that, <laughs> <laughs> we are invited into Thanos' worldview and to try and empathize with him to some degree. And while he's still wrong, it makes him a much more interesting character because we see how you can end up at a truly diabolical uh, stage and have some really horrific ideas. But it began with something good. And this wasn't new to Lewis. Lewis lived during the era when eugenics was all the rage. The idea Mm -hmm. that we can uh, sterilize and selectively breed humans. So we get rid of the unwanted And so he saw something very similar happen in his time and he fought against it because he saw where this was going. And he wrote a a very famous book um, called The Abolition of Man, Mm -hmm. where he tells people where you're going to end up if you follow this route. And he then represented it in fiction, because this is one thing that Lewis does again and again. He presents ideas both under the form of an essay, a sermon, and then he gives us some romance, some literature a story that we can read and engage mm-hmm. with the idea in a different way. Uh, it's more of like analytical knowledge or experiential knowledge. And these two ways of knowing. And this is also something that Lewis explores in another book, the one you haven't read yet, Till We Have Faces, where you see two characters, uh, the priest and the fox. The fox is steeped in Greek philosophy. He is a very rational being. And you have the priest who worships this, this god And it's described as a very dark religion. And they're two ways of approaching reality. And Lewis saw that these are two ways of knowing the same thing. And very often combining the two leads to a much richer experience. He wrote this other article. It was called Meditations in a Toolshed. I like the title of that one, though. Uh, And he, (laughs) he described being in a shed and seeing a shaft of light come through the shed. And he says that, From one position, you could see the shaft of light. You could see the specks of dust floating through the light. And you could see parts of the shed illuminated. He says that's one way of looking at it. He says, but you can then go and stand in that sunbeam and look back through the light. And then you're transported out of the shed into the wide world to see the sky, the clouds, the birds, and then ultimately the sun. And those of you who have read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, that shaft of light might sound familiar. Because that's one that Lucy also encounters.
1: I'm still stuck on uh, using that same logic to decide the interesting or boring villains in Marvel, and it's it's <laughs> doing pretty well. Uh, my mind instantly went to, oh, that's why Winter Soldier was so much better than First Avenger.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> and I think it's also part of the reason why we love the antihero. Uh huh. The, the person who is flawed. James Bond is probably a classic antihero. He is not a good guy. He, he right. is all kinds of broken and makes a lot of very dubious choices. Mm-hmm. But we find that more interesting because we we see that there's some good there. In every movie, he is seeking to defeat somebody who would destroy the world. He is looking for love in the arms of the next girl that he meets. Uh, and while he does some good, usually saves the world, the mm-hmm. girl doesn't last to the next movie. <laughs>
1: Or even the second half of the film.
0: <laughs> and also, there's usually a body count along the way. Yeah. So you asked for three. Three things I see in Lewis's work. Uh-huh. For my third one, I'm going to choose good joy. You're so Thank you. <laughs> it, it's really hard. It, it's, there's, there's so many things that I kind of going to tough. I say. started
1: to phrase, I thought, this is going to be a tough question, but he can handle it. <laughs> he can
0: handle it. Well, when you messaged me uh, about talking about Lewis's works outside of Narnia and common themes. I literally just sat down for half an hour and just wrote out everything I could think of. I had a 16 page document without even trying. Uh, <laughs> but for my, third, for my third item, I'm going to choose joy. Primarily because it was a driving factor throughout Lewis's life. He wrote a spiritual autobiography called Surprised by Joy. And what he meant by joy, it was a little bit more than what we would typically regard as joy. It's this elusive sense, this longing. That, that, that when your heart sort of uh, skips a beat and it's you're trying to reach for something a little bit beyond. And the Narnia example of this is Reaper Cheap. Aside from being probably my favourite character in all of Narnia, I think probably for most honest people as well.
1: Uh, most honest people, I like that. <laughs> well,
0: some people try and mix it up a little bit, but no, come on, we all love Reaper Cheap. Uh, but in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, reaper cheap has this great longing for the utter east and as an aside this is one thing that they actually just thoroughly ruined in the movie because they sort of skipped over it and just gave a nod and a wink and then just carried straight on oh
1: yeah by the way we have another ending yeah
0: (laughs) but in 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 the book reaper cheap wants to go to aslan's country he has this desire within him for the utter east, for a greater adventure, for something beyond everything that he's experienced thus far, even though it has been glorious and chivalrous and romantic. And this ties in with an idea that Lewis, Lewis articulated in Mere Christianity actually as an argument for belief in God. He talks about, well, creatures aren't born with desires unless those desires can be satisfied. And he says, well, a baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. Uh, duckling wants to swim. While well, there's such a thing as water. Uh, men have sexual desire. While well, there's such a thing as sex. And he says, what we see from this is that if I find within myself a desire that nothing on this earth can possibly satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That that longing that you have within you, which this world can never satisfy, you can have the best of everything. You can read the greatest literature. You will still reach a point of, is that it? You can have everything in the world, all material possessions, and there will still come a point where you know that you want something more. Uh, You're not satisfied with a little bit of truth, a little bit of goodness, a little bit of beauty. You want more of it. And Lewis saw that as a signpost pointing towards God. And so you find that littered throughout his works. His character's having a longing, and they're searching for the thing that will fulfill that longing. I'm not going to spoil till we have faces, but that's also a consistent theme throughout one of the characters called psyche she has this longing for the mountains and and and, and the and the god of the mountains. she has something that's drawing her to it and that basically drives her journey and i'm not going to say any more because it's a great book and you just need to read it
1: <laughs> are there any um uh, when you think about some of maybe even some of those themes um if someone's like, oh, yeah, those are some of my favorite themes was talking about, say, uh, joy, uh, for example. Is, is there a book where you would say, outside of Narnia, oh, well, then you really need to read like this one. I, you need to at least pick up on like this one or, or these two uh, that really stand out for some of those themes.
0: That is really tough. There are a number of authors who have written books on Narnia, that draw out these themes and will reference Lewis's other works. Uh, Joseph Pierce has written one. Uh, Alan Jacobs, he wrote one called The Narnian. And there was another one, I'm forgetting the author, but it was called The the Theology of C.S. Lewis or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, But honestly, this is the wonderful thing about reading C.S. Lewis. You have lots of books that will help you unpack a lot of these themes Uh, and to start seeing his works and the the ideas that run as a motif throughout all of them but honestly nothing can really replace just going ahead and reading them because you will notice them
1: mm-hmm.
0: you you'll be reading a section on until we have faces and it will put you in mind of something that happens in the voyage of the dawn treader as you've been uh,
1: considering the possibility of the uh, uh netflix show what themes do you think are you maybe most optimistic about them capturing, and maybe most <laughs> pessimistic about uh, pessimistic about them capturing?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, it, it depends on my mood uh, on that particular day. <laughs> quite how optimistic I am thinking. The one that I really want to see them get right is the joy, the longing, because you find it in all of his characters that they're that they're reaching forward beyond everything that they can just see and touch. Uh, That was so important in Lewis's life, in ultimately believing in God and ultimately becoming a Christian. I I would really want to see that idea presented. It's kind of tough because we were talking about there's two different ways of knowing. And one of the things I would say is Lewis's real strength was conveying atmosphere. When you read the different Chronicles of Narnia, each book has atmosphere. And Dr. Michael Ward would say, aha, there's a very good reason for that because there's a planet he's trying to trying to communicate to you. Uh, but that requires some subtlety. And the, the biggest thing I'm nervous about with regards to the Netflix se- series is that they won't be subtle. We'll put it in a five minute scene. You can YouTube it and then get the whole thing. Exactly. And then one of the reasons I think Voyage of the was so terrible was because they didn't trust the story. It's like, this isn't exciting enough. We don't have an antagonist. Where's the consistency with the last book? Tell you what, let's bring the White Witch back again. <laughs> uh, and so I, I think I think the biggest thing, my biggest concern is that will they trust the work, that it is sufficient, or will they insist on tinkering with it? Now, obviously, they, they're going to have to change some things because that's what you do in adaptations. Mm. But will they ultimately trust that that Lewis was doing something different? clever and good here and that they don't need to improve it by making things a little bit more obvious
1: well i agree with you well david this has been super fun i have thoroughly enjoyed it i want to ask you if uh, you had someone who had never read a c.s lewis book outside of narnia what three books should they first consider <laughs> <This> <laughs> is i'm a, asking these for these I lists know, it's hard it,
0: it's it's a really difficult <laughs> question And back in pre-COVID days, when I actually used to be able to go out and give talks about Lewis, this would almost always be one of the questions that somebody would ask in the Q&A. It was like, I haven't read any Lewis before. Where should I start? And I would typically tell them, if you haven't read Narnia, start there. But I'm assuming most of your listeners have read Narnia. So... Narnia web,
1: maybe, maybe. (laughs)
0: Well, we do have three seasons of Pints for Jack and one book for each. So they could do Mere Christianity, The Great Divorce, and Till We Have Faces. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at least then they would have somebody to read with chapter by chapter. Uh, But more generally, Lewis wrote in so many different genres. So my first Mm -hmm. suggestion would be pick a genre and then go and find the Lewis book in that genre because it'll almost always be there. Yep. Uh, so if you prefer literary criticism, go and read *An experiment in criticism. Uh, if you if you like fantasy, go read The Great Divorce. Uh, if you love the world of myth, go read Till We Have Faces. But if you really push me and you t- pin me down to, okay, I have to give three titles, no more clarifications. I won't
1: hold it against you a year from now, don't worry.
0: <laughs> I would say The Great Divorce is my personal favorite. I think it sums up so much of Lewis's thought. It's actually quite surprising that I haven't mentioned it because there, there are examples from that book on everything that I've spoken about tonight. Mm-hmm. But Till We Have Faces is also one of his fantastic books, but it's not an easy ride. So I wouldn't suggest going for that one first, even though it is probably one of his best books. He thought it was his best book, far and away his best book. Uh, if you're a Christian, I would say try Mere Christianity because you'll find a very short, succinct, winsome presentation of the Christian faith. And lastly, I think I'd probably say the book that we're doing this season, The Screwtape Letters, because it is hilarious.
1: For anyone, it is hilarious. For anyone who's also depending on, you know, schedules and stuff, because like I'm in kind of a weird phase in life where I'm depending a lot on audiobooks. If you want something where, hey, I want to be able to like basically read a, a chapter really quickly. Well, the Screwtape Letters, they're written like letters. So you can get through a letter in a few minutes. Mm hmm. Uh, and they're, they're a varying length, but you don't have to sit down and read a 30 page chapter. Yeah. Uh, if, if you are, have that kind of time on your hands.
0: And I would say that's actually one thing that Lewis is actually pretty good at throughout all of his works. So he kept his chapters reasonably short. So you could sit down, knock off a chapter, and then I'm go making progress. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> gives you that uh, emotional boost. <laughs> well, David, thank you. Very much.
0: You're welcome. I loved it.
1: I'm glad to finally uh, sit down and talk to you. This has been a real pleasure. Absolutely. If uh, people want more of Pints with Jack, uh, where can they go and get it? Where, where can they find you on the interwebs?
0: We are on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type in Pints with Jack. We also have a YouTube channel. Also type in Pints with Jack. Uh, Twitter account, Pints with Jack. And an Instagram feed. And here we're doing something. I'm, I'm trying to fix the world because I think Lewis is one of the most misquoted men on the internet. There are thousands of quotations that get attributed to him that aren't really him, or they tweak what he said. So what we do on our Instagram feed is we put up quotation graphics of legitimate C.S. Lewis quotations, and we cite the source. But apart from that, you can find us at pineswithjack.com.
1: Lewis's quote about proper Instagram usage was my personal favorite. Ah, uh,
0: yes. It's second only to the one that Abraham Lincoln said about believing quotations yeah. on the internet.
1: Indeed, indeed. Well everyone, you've been listening to Talking Beast the Narnia podcast from narniaweb.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes, post a comment on narniaweb.com or in the Talking Beast's Facebook group, visit patreon.com/narniaweb to support this podcast and get exclusive content including more episodes. You can also email us at podcast.narniaweb.com and you can email me at riliannutn really rillian at narniaweb.com and you can also find me on twitter at prince underscore rillian until next time further up and further in